Ladies and gentlemen, all rise. Court is back in session. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Devil's Due. I am your host, Carl Duty. With me, as always, is the man who is in the really real world, Mr. Drew Celestino. Ain't no coming back. Ain't no coming back. Ah. How you doing, sir? Well, I'm okay. All things, okay? all things considered. Okay. All things considered, it's 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 Mario Day. It's Stranger Things it, Two Day. It is both of these things, I'm and it's very happy about these. I am. I am. I am. Uh, I I'd be remiss if I didn't point out though that uh, my family's kind of going through some some stuff right now. So it is a little uh, trying times. My grandmother is in hospice right now. Mm, I'm sorry. It's man. it's tough. Um, she raised me basically. You know. So yeah, it's hard. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just, it's just, it's just, it's difficult. So, I went. I stopped there today after work, and uh, I was over there last week when you know my mom kind of told me that things were kind of getting serious at the house, and you know my grand had, was having a hard time getting around and stuff like that, and people were kind of there all the time to make sure she was getting around okay and not yeah. falling, you know, things like that. So I went over there last week, and it, you know, she was she was herself, and. Uh, Besides being, you know, tired and and weak and stuff, but I was reluctant to go to hospice though because, like, I don't. It it sucks to say, but like, I didn't want my last memory of my grandmother to be, you know, bedridden in hospice. Yeah. So I, I but I had but I had to go, so I yeah. did. I w- I would have preferred my last memory to be with her at her house, you know, because it's like again that house my family has lived in that house for 50 60 years you know yeah and uh i grew up there i went there every day my the my my grammar school was right across the street from my grandmother's house so every day i went there for lunch and then every day i went from school to my grandmother's house and i was my you know, i had dinner with my grandparents and my mom was at work she would go to work pick me up and i'd go home but i was there every single day for eight years eight plus years so you know it's hard it's it's uh not cool but that's kind of what's going on it's kind of uh really the the crux of the week as it were so yeah the fun times are going to be had i'm going to play you know odyssey maybe even after we finish up we'll, we'll fire it up to see what the, the hype's all about because apparently hype is hype hype, hype train is a rolling so but for now uh, you know that's uh that that's that's kind of what's up what's up um so anyway, yeah, you know, I don't want to dwell too much, but seeing as it's only been a few days since we uh, recorded our last episode, just because yes. of where our schedule is falling right now, um, I don't have much to report on the week, as it were. Um, it's been pretty much getting prepped for this particular episode that we're about to do, and also some musical stuff is going on too right now, <laughs> not exactly pertaining to the long cold dark. Um, some some new project I'm work I'm working on. I might have brought it up before, but uh. I hit a, uh, excuse me, I hit a, what's the word I'm looking for? Something cool came of a experiment. You had an epiphany. Kind, nah, I wouldn't call it an epiphany, but uh, I had a little brain. breakthrough. Uh, I had a little breakthrough uh, in my other project. And, it, it's, it's kind of, and now that it's really cool, uh, it's driving me to kind of like get that rolling too. So just lots of, uh, lots of neat stuff happening musically for me right now. I'm very creatively uh i'm feeling the creative juices right now 
Cool. So it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So, that said, even though it's only been like three or four days, how was your week? Yeah, um, we're kind of doing it old school this this episode. We're recording on a Friday night. Um, we recorded our last episode with uh, Nate and Jim, our horror film. It was fun. Fun conversation, Yeah, it was man. really, really good. I had a really good time with that episode. Yeah. Um, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on that episode. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. Good times. Uh, now we recorded that Tuesday. It posted Wednesday. Now this being Friday night, because you are going on your excursion to um, uh, Thailand. Oh. Well, well, we had to. That's that's then. To, this coming Tuesday is Halloween. That's correct. So we're going. I'm going to be. We, yeah, you have, you have trick or treating stuff. and stuff, and yep. I've got whatever I'm doing. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, not. Not too much. Yeah, Julie's going out of town this weekend, so it's just me and the boy. Pants optional weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're actually oh, we got a lot of stuff going on. What? Cause, yeah, because um, uh, taking them to Dave and Adams tomorrow for their Halloween thing. Okay, dress them up as a little Jawa costume. Cool. Um, and then go out and buy a pumpkin, maybe ah. two, carve it up. Um, and we gotta go get candy for the trick or treaters. Don't go overboard. Full size candy bars. You're you're generous. Full size candy bars. I'm that house. I think I, we've talked about this before on the show. How's the foot traffic at your place? You know what? It's it's hit and miss. Hit and miss. Every year. We are not very popular here. This the block just doesn't. Yeah, you go to the books house for. Yeah, their... I mean, if if I'm not going to get a lot of traffic, then I'm going to go somewhere else where there is traffic, and I'm going to partake. Yeah, and it's fun. So, oh my god, is it fun? Yeah, and I, I'm all for that, but I want I want to be there for you know I want to want to be the kids to be able to know that there's uh, at least one house on the street that gives out really good candy. No, that's I respect that, and like I would do that too if I because I to be honest, it's hard I, to tell if my neighborhood is aging in or aging out. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Um, see, like I like I I would love it if I had a really uh uh. uh trafficked stretch because i think it's the coolest thing when i see the kids come up to the, to, to the door and if they've got really good costumes dude i i like i am a kid again through them yeah. just by seeing really cool costumes especially if they're homemade and they really put a lot of work into them yep. I, I just melt and usually and especially in the pop culture that we live in now it's all stuff i like mostly yeah. it's like oh, oh my yeah. god another spider-man all oh, the captain america but but there's so few kids on my block. Like it's just, yeah, it's not a lot of action. So sorry, I'm gonna go and. I, uh, I haven't had a year. Like last year was really thin. Not that's what I mean. A lot last year, but I haven't had a year where it was like totally nothing. I think if I had a year like that, I might you know go over to my mother in law's house where she gets over a hundred kids every year. That, see, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, if it's less than like ten, twenty, what am I doing? You know, like yeah, it just. I don't know. It's not worth it to me. And that's a, it's a shame because I again, like I said, I I really I love seeing kids get into the Halloween spirit and having cool costumes and stuff because you know when I was a kid that's what I did too. But uh, anyway, but yeah, so that's that be pretty much it. Um, I don't know what else got going on. Well, for the weekend, it's okay. Um, so yeah, that that was our. Abbreviated week. <laughs> Abbreviated it, but it is the Halloween season, so yep. you know I'm going to be hopefully this weekend. Uh, definitely going to be crushing Stranger. Th- well, crushing is a relative term. 
Jen and I are going to start season uh, season two of Stranger yeah. Things. We'll see how many we watch, but I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Yes. Did you see they're coming out with a new series of Stranger Things Funko Pops? No. You can get the kids okay. in their Ghostbuster costumes. Aww. I didn't know there was a first series. Yeah. I need a Dustin in a big, bad way. <laughs> I need one. I need a Dustin. So... Uh, folks, if you'd like to tell us about your week, send us any questions or comments to show. You can do so at the following locations. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Devil's Do Pod. Uh, you can go to Facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Do Pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devil's Do Podcast.com. That being said, normally this is where we go to cross-examination, but seeing as it's only been like two days since we recorded our last episode, we don't really have any listener questions, which is fine. It's fine. That's um, And also, there's not really... I don't have a listener question. I did have a listener interaction, though, on Facebook. Really? The past few days. Uh, Tom Fenzel. Yes. Listener um, and contributor to the show. Uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, somehow we got just talking about comics that we're currently reading, and... Uh, he thanked me for recommending Saga to him, <laughs> uh, and uh, he said, "Saga Funko Pops." He said something to the effect too. of, "Like, yo, wait for the news. Wait for the news." He said something to the effect of, "Like, you know, thank you for the recommendation. It really opened my eyes to comics." And like that phrase just made me feel so good. Like, dude, that's awesome. Like, I'm so happy that someone got that revelatory experience. Like, oh my god, comics can comics can be this yeah and like life outside of the big two is great yeah like wow and that's awesome i think more people need to kind of take that little journey and i I think you'll be rewarded for it man so um as far as the news goes uh, we did saga funko pops that's pretty much what we got but look at them they are oh my god they're pretty cool i i need them i need them need yeah are you getting them all do you really some, need some are variants two versions of yeah do you i think the there's variants? three versions of lion cat <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i i just need the one um the main cast i would like um a lot uh i would definitely like the main cast lion cat uh prince robot the will i mean that's pretty much all of them i might i might skip the variants but i i yeah. feel like i need the rest in a bad Something way. tells me there's going to be hot items. That's so cool. I'm so happy that that book is uh, as popular as it is. I really I like yep. that's it's just great. I love creator owned comics getting, dare I say, mainstream recognition. I mean, is that mainstream recognition? It kind of is, right? I think it is. I think it, yeah. It's pretty big. Because Funko always kind of finds like, okay, what niche audience haven't we? We've hit all the big audiences. Right. Oh, and know, spades. What, what niche audience can we cater to? And then they go ahead and do it. That's dude. That's awesome. I'm. You can have your saga Funko pops standing right next to your golden girl Funko pops. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I'm trying to think now. Like what? Fu- oh, sp- speaking of Funko pops, man, my uh, my mystery science theater three thousand Funko pops arrived today. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. I have those. That's just like. It just makes me grin like an idiot. Nice. And uh, by the way, thank you uh, very much for the the Loki Funko Pop from last week. Oh yeah, he's, he's joined my my little army <laughs> in, my, in my office, and uh, it's Loki. As I as people point out to me often, I should cosplay Loki because uh, me and Tom Hiddleston have a slight resemblance. 
Uh, although some bone structure similarities there. He's much taller than I am, unfortunately. So I'd be the world's smallest Loki if I... This is why I don't do cosplay. Because I'd be like, oh, look, he's, he's, he's like a miniature version of the character. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's... Uh, but that's, thank you. No, no problem. Yeah, that came I love in the, I love Loki. That came in the, uh, the Thor Ragnarok uh, Marvel's Collector Core box, which... Was largely disappointing. That's that's kind of a bummer, given yeah. the movie is apparently all kinds of hype. Uh, the the collector core boxes are usually pretty good. You get one every two months. Um, I'm excited for the next one. It's an Incredible Hulk theme. Ooh! So, but um, you usually get like two Funko Pops, a T-shirt, and um, some other like cool old knickknacks. They kind of phoned it in on this one. That's a shame. What would you like, get in this one? You get two. You still got two Funko Pops. You got that Loki and the fun, the nice thing about their the Funko Pops that come in those boxes. They're, they're exclusive. They're right? exclusive. You yeah. cannot get those in stores. So the one on, I looked in the back of the box is the one you gave me, and there is a Loki one available in store. Yeah. but he doesn't have the head the headgear. Exactly. And if he you know anything about Nivey, stabby stabby. See, we've talked about. I, I'm not sure if we've talked about this, but you know me. My biggest gripe with Thor in the movies, man, no helmet, no helmet. The uh, the Thor that came in is like the Gladiator Arena Thor. Okay, so he's got the club and the shield. Does and he's got he the have helmet. the helmet? He's yes, got the helmet. Yes. Um. So that came in that no T shirt. Hmm. And here were the other items. Um, kitchen magnets. Okay. And yeah. Uh, okay. A wool beanie, which I'm not gonna lie, is kind of nice. I'm, I'm, I'm it's not. got it's got a picture of the Hulk, the Funko Pop Hulk. Head and gladiator helmet, oh, and then on the side, adorable. Then on the side of the beanie is the writing that's on the side of the Hulk's helmet in the film. I guess. Okay. I, my son tried it on. He he likes. It. I have an adorable picture of him with it. So. There you go. Um, and then oh, what else was this? A fidget spinner. Mm. I've you never. Lost me there. You lost me. There. I've never had a fidget spinner. I never understood it. And then I, I tried one. Oh, no, <laughs> no. I'm just like, now I'm just watching TV, just like spinning it, bounce oh. on my finger. Are what? you doing tricks with it? No. God. <laughs> William loves it, though. Okay. Like, he sees me pick up. He wa- he you know walks over and just ah, and starts spinning his hand on it and everything. So He does like spinning it. things, as we found out at your house that one time I came over. Yeah, and when, throwing things. Well, yeah. He's, he's, got, he's a, got quite an arm on he's him. He's got a little bit of a cannon. It's okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Scouting them out to some baseball teams and whatnot. You know, much much safer than football. So. Yes, yes, and cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, get me wrong. As much as I love hockey, don't oh want, god, want to play hockey? Very expensive, and, you're, 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 and you'll be driving you're, you're, to Kitchener at three a.m. for ice yeah. time. You're at over a thousand dollars before you even step on the ice. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah. Okay, um, that's. Pretty much news. That's what we That's got. That's what's up. Let's get to the uh, the heart of the matter here. Oh, uh, we're, we're diving are, right in. This diving is, right in. Wow, diving man. Right in. We're gonna this do. This feels so rushed. No, we're not rushing. We're just like we don't have like we said. We recorded earlier in the week, so yeah, you're right. The stuff you're got right. Burn you're up right. there. So um, we're going to do a retrospective in this episode on both a movie and a literary work that found us both just at the right time in our lives and just kind of like attached itself to us and spoke to us, I'm sure in different ways, but became extremely meaningful 
Uh, like there was, it's funny because, uh, you saw the movie Tropic Thunder, right? Ooh, yes. Once it was great. Yeah, Danny McBride has a line in where he's like talking to Nick Nolte's character about the book. He wrote. He's like, yeah, that book was my catcher in the rye. So, and I think that's, that's what we can equate this to. We are speaking of, um, the movie and the, uh, graphic novel, the crow, uh, Graphic novel by James O'Barr. Uh, the movie is directed by Alex Proyas and starring Brandon Lee, who, um, as everyone listening probably knows, was unfortunately lost his life during the filming due to a, an accident on set. Um, but that's not necessarily what we're going to focus on because that's negative. We want to focus on the positive. And, in a very negative story. <laughs> in a, yeah, in a, in a story that is heartbreaking that has so much emotion to it and i'm interesting to see like kind of how how we both came to to value this so much so why don't we, i i want to start with you like how did you discover the crow um well the movie obviously but but um i was a, a comics reader as a, as a kid so as a comics reader I was all in on comics, and I wanted to know everything about them. So I was also reading the Overstreet Guides um, and other comic book magazines, Wizard, on top of other ones. that There used to be more than Wizard back yeah. in the day. There were a few. And I think it was one of the more underground ones that was talking about The Crow and that it was going to become a movie. And, you know, it had some artwork to it and it, I didn't I, the thing is though I didn't read it before I saw the movie yeah. but I was aware that it was a comic book and there was this comic book interpretation movie before this is again this is the the mid mid 90s 1994 is when the okay. movie came out back in the day dude comic adaptations were few and far between yeah so we had like Batman 89 yep Batman Returns and that was it kind of and well super- we had you can argue Ninja Turtles. The sure. first one yeah, was a comic true, adaptation. True, but at that age, I don't think I was fully aware of that, that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So here was this other comic book movie, you know, to a kid that's a very attractive yeah. concept, especially in that time when there were so few. And it immediately, and, and, and I have to admit, it definitely helped. It definitely helped that I was at the right age, 12, 13 ish where I was really getting into music and the kind of music I was really into was, you know, heavy metal, uh, industrial, um, alternative, air quoting, music that had a sort of goth bend to it. That yeah. that was attractive to me at that age. And it's, you know, it's still kind of <laughs> my go-to aesthetic and, 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 you know, it's my wheelhouse, as it were. So... That perfect storm of ingredients really spoke to me. So when I went to see the movie, it literally just blew me away. And obviously, going to see it beforehand, we knew that you know Brandon Lee sadly was was killed in the filming of it. Yeah, and that and as much as I hate to say it, that tragedy only kind of like amplified interest in the movie. Yeah, yeah, and. It, it it and it was it was amazing. It it totally blew me away in every conceivable visually, story, soundtrack, 
all of it was yeah. just mind blowing that that this was a thing that existed and it it just really all those ingredients that I mentioned totally spoke to me at that age and you know at that age what you know what do I know about girls and love stories and all that not much yeah. right but you know you know enough I'm at the age where I'm interested in girls and things are starting to i'm starting to realize that and you know there's all that yep. yeah you add some melodrama into that like oh okay that's what that's like and whatever you know that's what being with a girl is like it's this passionate thing and oh how you know how nice you know you're becoming aware of those yeah. kind of feelings so it speak it does speak to me at that level but just you know again the music i think and the atmosphere and the visual and uh just just, just all of it Ernie Hudson's a Ghostbuster. He's in the movie. Okay, cool. I love Ghostbusters. You know, just just all of it. It, it was seriously, it, it was like a real perfect storm for me at that age, at that time. And damn it, if it didn't work, dude, it's still one of my, it's still amazing. It's still one of my favorite movies. Um, and it holds up. It holds up very well. I don't know that you could call it cliched or or I can't knock it for very much at all. So yeah. it and it got me. It led me to the book because after the movie, I'm not even kidding. I'm not. I'm not even kidding. In junior high, mind you, I saw this movie in the theater six times. Six paid six times to see it. I was obsessed. I mean, it's fair to say I was pretty obsessed. Yeah. So obviously, when I had access to, uh, couldn't get the book at just like the bookstore. They this was before comics and graphic novels are really stocked in like Walden books and stuff like that mm-hmm. and I wasn't totally able I wasn't fully able to go to a comic shop on the reg there was none near me so I ended up getting a lot of stuff through the mail so there was like remember remember the old mail catalogs for comic books yep there was what was the name of the company it was uh, like American, American something that, that was I one I could see the logo in my head I know me too and then there was another one too there was two of them there was like there was two big two, two of those yeah and Ironically enough, though, that wasn't how I got the crow. I got another catalog. God, I don't even know how I got this catalog. I might have gotten it in the mail packaged with stuff I ordered from one of those other guys. Okay. I got the actual Kitchen Sink Press catalog, just their stuff. And there was the crow. And sure enough, I bought that. I I bought it came in the mail and i was just okay how does it translate like what's yeah i'm not used to adapt again adaptations at that time were yep. very fast and loose and sure enough man like i was very blown away that the the book and the movie there are differences and i'm sure we're about to discuss them but i was floored by how similar uh they were so many things right off the page. Yeah, there's there's changes, but there's a lot of stuff that that, like you said, is right off the page. It's largely intact. Yeah. You know? Um and obviously the I mean the artwork, we're gonna talk about all this stuff, so I'm just I'm just laying it all out. What if if I loved if I already loved the crow by seeing the movie, reading the book just amplified yep. it. It was it was it just it was mind bending. It really it was whoa look at this this is like no other comic book i've ever seen yeah it's in black and white and there's violence but there's like artsy it's like artsy 
and 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 you know, I'm air quoting mature in a real way though, yeah. not just gratuitous. Like it's it's this is heavy stuff. This isn't like, you know, Fantastic Four that I was reading at the time, right? So again, all those ingredients to me at that age, at that time, just again, perfect perfect storm really uh influenced me and still does to this day. That's that's my first experience with the grow. Nice. Um, as far as as my go, they're not unlike the whole comic book to movie adaptation between our two origin stories with the crow. There are similarities, but there are also differences. Yeah. Um, I was it was my freshman year of high school. Uh, a friend of mine was I was reading comics, but really I was only reading Spider Man and Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you remember back in the day, is how many Spider Man Batman books were out there. That's you know, kid on a budget. That's all you could really, all I could really do. Um, I had a friend of mine who's big Bruce Lee fan. He was big into martial arts and everything and told me about how, you know, there's this movie coming out called the crow. Uh, you know, didn't, didn't know it was a comic. Uh, and he said that, you know, Bruce Lee's son is in it. He was killed while, making it but they they finished it anyway and they're releasing it and a bunch of us all want to see it and like you a lot of the same holy crap mind-blowing experience of the visuals of the film uh what what spoke to me mostly was the 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 sense of loss and and heartbreak because like at that time like i i wasn't too far removed from the death of my grandfather, which I pretty much witnessed, um, impacted me heavily. But also, just like when you're at that age and you know kids are getting into air quotes relationships, right? They're dating and whatnot, right? You know, we as adults now, married adults, kind of laugh at what we consider dating and love back then. Well, you know, but I, 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 I don't necessarily. Yeah. But um, I never had. Any luck in that arena? Ah, okay. Yeah, so, you know, we've joked about it before, but I was kind of like the the emotional kid who's writing bad poetry and whatnot. You know, I don't I don't have anyone. You know, how come I don't have anyone? What What's wrong with me? What's, what's so... See, I totally relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> I was much the same. Yeah, and it's like you want the simple things that everyone takes for granted, and that... A lot of the stories about the loss, not only just like the loss of his love, but um, in the book and like the the thing, the scene in the movie, you know, where he says it's funny. Little things always used to mean so much to Shelley. Right. I always think they were kind of trivial, and it's stuff like that that really spoke to me and got me hooked in. Um, obviously, in the credits, they say based on you know this work. So I learned from that that it was a comic. And I believe I got my trade from House of Fantasy when they had a location in North Tonawanda on Webster Street. Whoa. Which is where, like, the bulk, maybe not so much now, but a lot of my back issue collection came from. Um, So, and when I got a hold of the book, I just cover to cover numerous times sure so many times 
Um, it's one of my uh, most treasured books, more or less. Is that the same copy I've seen in your house? Yes. That thing it, is weathered, son. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is very well loved. Um, it's had multiple, multiple readings. And it just became uh, very much part of how I thought about a lot of things and whatnot. I know. I understand that. This was kind of before I I really kind of came into my faith, but even after I'd come into my faith, this was still a big part of that. Um, I, you know, grew, grew the hair as long as, you know, Cardinal O'Hara regulations would allow, (laughs) which was about as, about as long as your hair is now. Um, I had the black leather trench coat. I wanted one. Oh, they were they were glorious. I they I'm too glorious. short to wear one. No, no but better. I wanted thi- one. No better thing to have in a snowball fight. <laughs> okay, that black leather. It's like an impenetrable suit of armor. You don't feel anything. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so yeah, like you know, writing quotes in yearbook signings, things like that. Writing okay. quotes on notebooks, things like that. Just it was very centric to my identity because I related so much with it. So that's kind of where we discovered this thing. Let's talk about now why we love this thing so much. Do you want to start with the book or do you want to start with the movie? Tough call. Um, I because f- we can go how we discovered it, or well, we can I think go we the both, actual chronological order. I think we both are, you know are in the same boat where we we saw the movie and then got the comic. So why don't we? I mean, it's hard to say. Do you want to discuss the differences? Like, I don't. I don't know. There. I think we can. Dis- I think whatever we discuss. I think we can have first, a general discussion yeah. and kind of veer as we need to. I don't know. Yeah, your call. No, that's fine. Um, but just starting where we both start with the movie. Uh, wow. Mm-hmm. It's. It is technically filmed in color, <laughs> but dude, Alex Proyas is an amazing director he really is and he made the crow and he followed it with dark city did you ever see dark city i saw it once so long ago and i, ha- I barely remember anything of it i haven't seen anything it needs I, i've seen it again it, since. let me tell you what it deserves a rewatch and he carried that same visual style yeah. over man and it's just it's it's a spectacle that guy has a style yeah and it's great and he was perfect for this movie it's it's weird because how do you how do you categorize it? Because the visual like, style? No, no, Dark. I'm talking about just like the <laughs> the film itself. Like oh. back in my blockbuster days, it was in the action aisle. You know, it's... I it, would call it supernatural thriller. It's if I had to, because it's not. When you say action, I I I picture big epic sequences, and not just one, but several. Yeah, and the crow. I don't think the crow has those. It's got one for yeah, sure. The ending, got, the, the, the ending sequence is, is. There are there is action in it, but I think it's safe to say it's not an action movie. No, um, in the traditional sense. No, it's a, it's definitely more of a supernatural. God, I don't know how to really describe it. It, its emotional core is far more important than the action in it. Yeah. And I think it plays that way too. If it I'm does. thinking like an action movie, if I think of an action movie, it's defined by its action, right? Yeah. The Crow, I wouldn't say, is defined by its action at no. all. 
The it's, crow is defined by its characters. It's defined by its characters and and the emotion, the emotional connections that you make on screen, and it's all so strongly done. And again, going back to the visuals, man, like Alex Proyas delivers it in such a way where it it he really nails those connections and he really nails the visuals. You feel like you're in this just bleak place. It's Detroit. It's it supposed is, to be but Detroit, but God. it's like the worst possible version of Detroit. That's saying a lot, given yeah. it's Detroit. Yeah. Um, Detroit it's, now is just catching up to what it was depicted as in The Crow. Yeah, kind of. Um, I mean, it, it's I, I got it's like, the, how many daytime sequences are in this movie? Like one, two? Maybe two, yeah. Um, it's just not that it takes place at night. It's that like, it, everything the color is so desaturated. Yeah. Yeah. And normally when we're saying something like that, it's usually in a negative sense. Well, when like DC, DC does it for their bright yeah. characters, but, this but is, for this, it's, it's totally apropos. The desaturation of the color serves to convey the hopelessness yeah. of where these characters live. Not necessarily the hopelessness that the characters have in and of themselves, but what their environment is and where they live. They They live in a very dangerous and oppressive city yeah and the movie reminds you of that often because of i mean again this so this is one of the things where it veers away from the comics and the comics it also takes place in detroit yeah but it's a little less uh that isn't really established until later in the series yeah um and there is no, in the comic spoilers, there is no Devil's Night subplot. Yeah, there's no Devil's Night subplot. Eric is not in a band. Right. Um, he might be, but we don't know. He has, he's got the look, but it's not established that he's in a band. Yeah, they're not, you know, their murder wasn't an order. We'll discuss the, yeah. the differences. Um, But th- so the Devil's Night subplot, there's this, this city is under siege by yeah. gang activity that blows up buildings and starts fires. Every year on this night. Okay. Whoa. Like, talk about, like, an, uh, this this place is dangerous. The city is dangerous. And all the characters we meet are really broken people in a way. So, I mean, you've got Officer Albrecht getting a divorce from his wife. Yeah. He's been kicked down the ladder in the police department. Yep. He's, he's in a bad place. Sarah... She was friends with Shelly and Eric. Her mother's a junkie. Shelly and Eric are dead. She's living on the streets by her, spending for herself, basically. Her mother's a junkie who hangs out with, you know, someone who's extremely undesirable, despite his moniker. Right, right. I mean, it's, I mean, and this is your core cast, really. Yeah. Um, and, And obviously the villains are the villains, and they're all 50 shades of terrible. Even, even the villains, not so much top dollar in the film. But the 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 uh, T Bird Tintin Fun Boy, mm-hmm. you even get a sense of hopelessness from them, not because of who they are, but because of where they are. They've kind of resigned themselves to this is as good as it can get, so we're going to live it up as best we can in this current situation. Yeah, I, I suppose. Like um, I'm not saying they're redeemable at all. No, I'm just saying that you know they. The the conveyance of the environment is done so well in the film that it 
even bleeds over to the villains of the film. You know what I want to say about the, about the villains? I mean, we're talking about them really quickly. I do really like... This is one of the things about the movie. The movie... Again, we're going to be bouncing all over the place. The book is fantastic, and it does everything it does very well. But but the what the move when the movie decides to expand on certain things, I can't think of anything the movie expands on that it doesn't improve in a way. Maybe I'm I'm just putting that out there right now. I might come back to that later and disagree, yeah. But let me just, just let me let me let me pull that thread for a minute. All the villains are so clearly identified. They're all really yeah. unique. Mm-hmm. They roll together as a gang, but none of them are like similar. And I think in the in the book they get a little samey. They're some like some are some are more expanded on than others. Yeah, because but think... they're a little more faceless in the comic. In the movie, though, we've got clear identifiable characteristics for all of them. Yeah, and it's and you know that I gotta say, man, it, it really adds to the film in a, in a big way. Because I think in the in the book the villains are much less a part of the story. The story is extremely centered around Eric. Yes, absolutely. Not only what he is doing, but more his existence and how he is suffering yes. because of the loss of Shelley. Um, you can feel... I feel, the as much as I love the movie, I feel the emotion of loss more from the book than I do from the movie. And a lot of that probably has to do with the origins of the book, James O'Barr lost his fiance to a drunken driver car crash. Yes, and he wrote this in response to that, in a way of coping with the pain. Um, and just like the the segments of the book where Eric is alone and just remembering his time with Shelley, I just still to this day certain scenes. If I read them at the right time, I'll I'll be shedding tears as I'm reading it. What I think is interesting, though, is that in the book, you can fill pages with that stuff, and and less becomes more on the page. The movie does a great job of of those flashback scenes as well. Yes. And they don't necessarily... You can spend a little more time with it, because you have that freedom being the format that it's in. Right. The film just does it masterfully. I feel like if they would have spent more time in the film, it would make the film less... Uh, it, it it would lessen yeah. the film. So what the movie the movie doesn't shortchange any of that because the stuff you do see with them together is so fantastic, and you do get those moments in the movie when Eric feels that deep pain of the loss, despite him being a lot Eric yeah. was alive to to re- to redeem things, but like just f- small small microcosm, right? In the book, it, they they took the book, they took the sequence right out of the book. It's amazing when he goes to Gideon's and he's grabbing, the, yes. going for the rings. Yep. If you watch the movie, it's it's literally same thing in, in the in the book. Yeah. No, no, no. He's going through each ring in the in this box of of rings that that have been pawned yep. at this shop. But the way they do it in the movie is excellent because he literally yeah. is reaching through them blindly. His eyes are closed. Yeah. And when he. He doesn't even look at the one that he picks out of the box. He knows it's the one. Yep. And you see his face wince, they, and immediately they cut to a flashback. Yeah, they give like a, a supernatural flavor yeah. to in that scene, and it works so well. Masterfully. It's so like, good. You see, this is one of the things, 
one of the comic adaptations where this is for lack of an extremely better term where they give the character powers that they don't necessarily have in the source material. The other one that pops to mind where this was done horribly. I've never seen the film, but I heard like what they did in the film and just wondering what was uh, the Jonah Hex movie. Okay. They gave him like a whole bunch of powers, Mm. whatnot. And like in, in the book, it's never conveyed that Eric can see through the eyes of the, of the bird, the crow. No, Um, it's, it's never conveyed like the scene you're talking about. He's looking through, through the rings and he finds it by visual sight. Um, but again, these are just things that are used to kind of convey, um, like in that scene, particularly like the flashback we get, it again, conveys that emotion of the loss of Shelley and shows you like how much they loved each other. Oh yeah. I mean, again, the, I, what can I even say? The, every, everything <laughs> I'm, I'm at a loss. It's so well done. The ca- yeah. like the cast is great. The sequences are great. Nothing in this movie like breaks me out of the movie. Yeah, I'm invested, especially in like the flashback scenes. Like it's not all deep romantic passion love. A lot of the scenes show you just like you know when she's trying to cook and the stove yeah, catches yeah, on yeah, fire yeah. and you know those fun little memories you have with someone you truly love. Yeah. And it's just like you, your heart breaks totally. If if you if you've experienced like a real loving relationship, have an understanding of love, um, you experience that emotion with the characters because it's so well portrayed. Brandon Lee, his performance, we lost a real talent because up until this, he had done like a couple action films, right? Like right. Straight right. up action films, rapid fire. Yep. Yep. Um, he had done, I ironically, he'd kind of come full circle with his father and did a, a Kung Fu movie. Like the, you know how the, from the television show, Kung Fu, um, was originally developed by Bruce Lee. It was meant for Bruce Lee, but because, you know, yeah. racism, uh, huh. It went to David Carradine. Not that we, you know, Besmirched David Carradine for no, taking no, the no, job. No, 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 no. You know, rest in peace and all. Uh, but this showed a, his performance and just how he gave a voice to Eric was masterful. You know, the thing about it, too, it's amazing. His performance is excellent. In both the flashback scenes and and as and as the yeah. you know more when he comes back when he's you know the crow it, he's much more cryptic and 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 dark and driven, uh, but he delivers both excellently yeah. and you know it's one of those great what ifs what if he didn't what if he wasn't killed what if he lived and yep. and what would what what would his career have been like I don't know man but based on the crow it, it could have been a very bright future for him uh, yeah and. I got a point to make after that. Now I'm I'm blanking on it, and I apologize for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm, it's, it's a great it's a great what if we don't know uh, what what could have been. Yeah, but I do think it's amazing that he was killed in the making of the movie, and I don't know if it's good fortune or I, I don't know what had to be adjusted as a result of that. 
but they completed the movie. Yeah, the movie it doesn't was... feel the movie does not feel at all like anything is missing from it as a result of them having to finish it without him. It was it was kind of a, a Heath Ledger situation where the movie was like mostly done. Yeah. There were some little offshoot scenes here and there uh that needed to be filmed. Um but yeah, it's once you've like if you watched it a couple of times you've learned which scenes aren't yeah, 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 but whatnot. that's real inside it's, baseball stuff. Yeah. If you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, um, and it's just, it's really, it's tragic. It makes his loss that much more painful. Um, well, yeah, if the movie stunk, then, you know, we probably wouldn't be talking about it like yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, like, but this thing but has, it, like, cult following is, is shortchanging it. It, nah, dude. Cult fo- I mean, maybe they say that about it now. Yeah, but it, I lived through it. It was a it was a phenomenon. Yeah. It, okay, it defined a, a visual style of filmmaking um, that few people have been able to duplicate, or some and try. Even fewer but, have been able to duplicate well. Right, and not only that, but I mean, this thing spawned a TV series, another sequel. Three and sequels. Well, I mean, obviously there were there were clear diminishing returns, oh, but yeah. but 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 the immediate impact of it and its its immediate wake. I'm not cult cult. No, dude, this thing was like a thing. Yeah. Okay. And and we're gonna we're, again we're bouncing all over. We cannot discount the music's. Oh, the soundtracks impact. in my top five soundtracks of all. It's time. a fantastic soundtrack. Now and, that soundtrack, dude. Uh was huge. Yes. Kids, let me take you back for a moment. Back in the day... Back when a soundtrack could sell a movie. Ki- kind of? Yeah. Not, th- not that this is the case here, but the th- they were very much intertwined, the okay? The three best examples of that I can think of is The Crow. Yeah. Um, and these are going to be, you know, two, at least in our world's two lesser examples, Dirty Dancing <laughs> and The Bodyguard. Sure. Where yeah. soundtracks sold the movie. Yeah, and and oh come on, Titanic. We all hate it, but come on. Yeah, I, I would I wouldn't say that in that particular the soundtrack is a big part of it, but I wouldn't say the soundtrack sold the movie. That song though was everywhere. Anyway, yep. going back to the crow though. Uh yeah, that soundtrack was uh still this huge. Day. Oh, I love fantastic. it. Fantastic. I love it. I love almost everything on it. Um what I would say though is interesting. Now that I'm a more seasoned musical uh, veteran, more educated in, in you know all that stuff, <laughs> for being such a goth, I mean, let's face it, man, this thing was like goth Bible for a long time. Yeah. Okay. The soundtrack is not very goth. No. Grant, granted, granted, it does have the Cure in it, and yep. that's about as goth credit as it goes. By the way, what a Cure song that is. Yes. Okay. Um. But the book, more so into the goth, into, into what, I mean, I'm going to, we're really splitting hairs here, but what I would say, real goth subculture. I think the book is much more versed in it based on the choice of quotes that James O'Barr used, like Having, Joy, Joy Division and stuff like yeah. that. Dude, Joy Division is some real deep cut stuff. Yeah. And the movie, granted, we get a Joy Division song, but it's covered by Nine Inch Nails. And by the way, oh my god, I love that song yeah. to death. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it was more of a, here's what's hot on alternative music kind of soundtrack 
that they hooked sort of into the peripheral goth culture that was developing at the time, but it wasn't a true goth, uh, uh, you know, they weren't really being true to like the, the real goth scene yeah. that in the 70s and 80s. But having said that, I can't knock it because, I mean, God, dude, it's just so good. <laughs> yeah, um, I was, it's fine because like I would consider myself part of the gothic subculture at that time sure. in my life. And there were there were levels to that. Of course, there, oh, of course, and with like, any subculture, if you, just, be... if you just knew the movie and like the soundtrack one out, that was kind of surface level. Yeah, yeah, Like once you got into a book and you could quote the book, and yeah. like, then people knew you'd... You were judging people that like, I saw the movie and you were yeah. like, let me tell you about real goth. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. Because I did yeah, it too. Because yeah. I did it too. But... Um, I guess the, I guess I guess the, the the big culprit here and the 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 reason why I bring that up is um the song that everyone knows from this movie is the Stone Temple Pilots song the big empty and it's great it's a good but song but they are by no means <laughs> by no definition a goth centered band yeah. nor that nor would I classify them with the emotional anchoring or themes that this book is is steeped in yeah stp's great but they're yeah. not but they're not this okay? yeah they're seattle grunge alternative right and, and not and for you, nothing but they were they were kind of more upbeat and and you know rocking fun funny story uh my friend jim and i in high school when we'd be driving around and whatnot we'd have that soundtrack going yeah almost skipper almost no oh no god no oh. we love that song okay um every time the song would start the first line of the song is driving faster in my car yeah, yeah. we'd be at a red light <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> every <me>. time <laughs> every time um, um but i mean like the, the pantera song kind of stinks I'm, i'll be honest with you and i love pantera but yeah this, but this song for me the me. like not every song on the soundtrack is a hit but that's only because of my musical taste it doesn't reflect how well the soundtrack fit in with the movie Sure. Um, but Burn by the Cure, yep, dude. I that, think they wrote it for the movie, by the way. Okay. And, okay. Yeah. I, I remember watching when they did Woodstock again. Yeah. I remember watching it on MTV and Nine Inch Nails was performing. Mm-hmm. And then they said, here's something we did for the crow. Yeah. Crowd went nuts. I'm saying, dude. And they did Dead Souls. And look. Joy Division's version of again, I'm I'm biased as hell here. I'm so full disclosure. I do like Joy Division. Okay. Um but Nine Inch Nails version of Dead Souls is so much better. It's kind of their song now. Kind of. But but again, I'm biased because listen, I grew, I grew up with Nine Inch Nails. Listen, I'm sure Joy Division fans are just like Nine Inch Nails to took burn from Joy Division, then Johnny Cash took hurt from Nine, Nine Inch Nails. Thing. But yeah, I feel you. Um Dead Souls is so good. If any song should have been like the the anchor song of that movie, it should have been that. But that, I would have I would have given Burn the anchor song by The Cure. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And how great? How well was that used oh, in the movie? God, by the, the way, the moment that where... sequence when he's when he's like realizing where he is and what he, what's happening, Dude, and he's putting multiple, the makeup on. Oh, multiple Halloweens. I was the crow, uh, and every time guy. I was home and I was doing the face paint. I had that song on. You. That's fantastic. I got good though. at that face paint. Let me tell you something. That's fantastic. Let though. me tell you something. There is no way he did that good of a job in the way he was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way. There is an art He was form just like it. slap dashing it on. Yeah. It uh it took, it took you know, a while. I can't be the only one though that 
Um, there is some. There is a, a glaring omission on the soundtrack that I wish was that. Well, two two glaring omissions that I wish were on the soundtrack. Okay. Would it have been too much to ask for them to include the awesome guitar solo that he rips on the rooftop? On that the, is on the score soundtrack oh, that I also have. Then I got to get that. And I don't know if the full version of this was ever released. But I would have really liked they have the they have the the proper version of it. But I wanted a version of Eric's band's song. It can't, can't rain, rain all, all the time. I want with that, proper lyrics saying it can't rain all the time. Not it won't rain all. Right. Time. I want that version on the soundtrack. Yeah. No, I get you. I'd want that too. Yeah. It's one of those things. Oh, so good. Yeah. We're um, in case you can't tell, folks. We we really yeah, like we, this movie and this and, and the this soundtrack book. and let's, all of it. Let's switch back to the book sure. for a moment here and talk about the art style. Mm. Particularly, you can tell that James O'Barr is a classically trained artist. I was just going to say because he the way he draws Eric, and the way he draws everyone is just perfect it's absolutely perfect it's like michelangelo dude again i was in the marvel i was a marvel dc kid independent comics what are those right and this is a guy yeah, comic books they're put up by companies that are not concerned marvel right books. right right but i mean here's this here's a guy who makes his he makes this thing on his own and it's so masterfully done it is like visual perfection it is rendered amazingly it is it is like uh, it it's 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 frankly incredible if you haven't picked up the graphic novel folks you need to and here's this book from this guy i've never heard of he's never done a marvel book how and i look at it and i think how did this guy not work somewhere else like look at this thing yeah oh my god like I'm not trying to crap on independent works by aspiring artists, but you and I have both in many genres. I've I've heard bands that kind of stink when they're you know, yeah. In, you know, I've seen bad artwork from people. Rob Liefeld. In fact, I got paid. But like, here's something from this guy that I don't know who he is, but there is this completed work that he did that is like absolutely magical. It's stunning. It's. I mean, that, that's. I, I just can't believe it. When I every time I pick it up, I'm just like, oh my god, look at this. Look at this thing. Look how good this is. This isn't just some amateur night production. This is like a real yeah work. And like you said, it, and it it does traverse styles too. So there, it's got sequential art, heavy ink, you know, comic book stylings, and then there's those interlude sequences that are like. You know, they look like they basically look like rough pencil. Yeah, with pencil, pencil on paper. Yep, and and they're more and they're way more uh, uh, realistic looking. Uh, he does a much more realistic style to them, um, and paint and some painted pieces, and it's just it's all just incredible to look at. It it's just it's really something to look at, and just how masterful he conveys emotion without words. Oh, there yes. are there. Are, oh, yeah, there will be pages where not a single like word is spoken, but he is just showing where Eric is emotionally and your heart breaks just from seeing there's the panels pictures. where his face isn't even showing. It's just his hands or something. 
but it's it's rendered in such a way his hands are doing a certain pose and you can see his arms it's just the framing of the shot and you could feel the emotion just from that just from like his hands it's it is stunning it is stunning work not to mention there are panels when you see his face and again emotion it is it 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 just it's all over the page you are never left like wondering yeah. what someone is feel like it you feel this book you feel every page of this book like if someone if someone said to me like I, I want to get into independent con- comics where should I start I'm giving them this sure I'm like this is the best example of what independent comics can be sure and that's not, I mean you know obviously and that, beyond that this is an example of how comics can convey emotion you don't expect from them sure Sure. I mean, we're used to, you know, sci-fi adventure story, largely in comics. Yeah. You know what I mean? Here's something. Yeah. And like the movie, you know, it's got action and it's got supernatural and it's yeah. got comic booky stuff to it. But its anchor is a love story. Like you have to get past the box is what I tell a lot of people who um, talk to me after they've seen like a really good comic movie or like if they've seen daredevil on netflix something like that and sure they're surprised as to how much they enjoyed it not for so much the action per se but the story and the characters and i say to them like it's because you have to get past the box it's packaged in this big box that says comic book right on it and you have this preconception of what that is because of what you've grown up with but you have to get past the box and understand that comics can be used to convey the same things that standard books and other films. Absolutely. I've had more emotional outbursts in comics, arguably than I have in in movies in the last 10, 15 years of my life. I'm not even kidding. I've had comics ruin me emotionally. Thank you, Brian K. Vaughn. (laughs) (laughs) Just eat the grape. Eat the, oh God, dude. Why the last man, folks? If you want to, Oh, what a run. Yep. What a run. What a run. Um, I want to jump back to the movie for a moment. Sure. Because nothing in life is perfect. No. There is a point where the movie does stumble a bit. Go on. And that's at the end. How so? And it's be- kind of because a scene they deleted. Mm, okay. I'm interested. And when he goes into the church after Sarah. Yes. And they kind of... They kind of had to do this after they made some changes. Originally, there was a scene before he walked into the church where he was confronted by the Skull Cowboy. I've heard about the Skull yes. Cowboy. I believe the I believe the scene is on the Blu-ray, okay. the special edition DVD. Um, it's not like fully audio or everything, but they kind of show. The Skull Cowboy is a character that appears in the book a couple times. Is kind of like another representation of what brought him back. A kind of a if for lack of more dissecting, maybe even you could kind of interpret it as the crow's master, the bird, the crow, yeah, yeah, yeah. master, sure. Um, in the film, there was a scene where he was heading up the steps of the church. And he was confronted by the Skull Cowboy and the Skull Cowboy saying, this is no longer your concern. You've done what you came back to do. Mm. You have to go back. 
if you choose to proceed, you will have to do it as as a living person. Okay. So they cut that scene, then kind of went back and added that, like, if you kill the bird, then you make him able to be hurt again. Okay. Because right. the whole the whole thing, like, the whole kind of hook behind it is Eric is brought back from the dead, and but he's technically still dead, so he can't be killed. Right. Um, so he can be shot, stabbed, whatever. Does I'll be honest, man. And then that I don't that mind like that kind of like last clash scene. I think I don't I'm mind not, the compromise. I'm not saying that the last clash scene is bad. I'm just saying I would have liked them to have kept that in because it seems to, it for me it was it lessened his choice to save Sarah knowing the consequences that he could be killed and hurt than if they just kind of put in the the like little uh, I, I, I see what you're saying. Weak, they, it, they made the crow the exhaust port on the, on the death That's star. That's fine. So. No, I, I get you. And yeah, if, if, if... I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it kind of stumbles there and the original version I think would have been better. It would have sold his decision, like you said, his decision to make to go rescue Sarah for his own because he wants to. Yeah. But again, he still wants to. Um, but yeah, if he knows he's going in there no longer invincible, yeah, I could, yeah. I could see that definitely endears him more as a character and shows more of his of what he's, his emotional state towards Sarah and yeah. you know, how she's basically his adopted daughter, essentially. Um, but I don't think it really, you know, again, I think it's a fair compromise. Um I think there were other reasons they didn't do that. They didn't delete that stuff because um, there was there was some practical reason why they didn't put the skull cobbler. And I think it might have been because Brandon Lee died and they didn't film a lot of the other stuff they wanted. Well, the to. stuff I the, think I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot. It's just something that always kind of stuck out in my head. But the thing is, you know, that whole subplot isn't in the book exactly. He in the book there is no. Yeah, no. Sarah is. I mean. There is a girl. There is a in Sarah, the comic, and but she's completely different. And this is probably a good point to talk about the changes sure. that were made between two. Um, there is a girl in the comics, and she's only in a couple scenes, though. And but she is still the daughter of a girl dating fun dating with fun boy. Yeah, and she's still and she is also into drugs. Yeah, Darla. Darla, but in the book, she has a different name in the book. But in any case, um, same. It's the exact same situation, yeah. though. Uh. And she's much younger in the comic as well. At least, at least she's played that. She's definitely much younger in the comic. Yeah. Um, and Eric meets her by happenstance almost, but sees the decrepit, you know, state that she's in and yeah. the, the conditions Eric she has to live in on the stoop of the apartment building that fun, in the comic, right? And the stoop of the apartment building that Fun Boy's in because her mother has made her wait outside while she's upstairs having sex with Fun Boy and, and getting, getting high. Drugs. Yeah. yeah. And Eric takes to her, and she takes to him, and he promises her that they'll they'll meet again, and that he'll look out to some degree. He will look out for yeah. her to whatever degree he can. I, again, like I said earlier, I think the change they made for the movie is great. Uh, they expanded on that character. Yeah, it adds to Sarah. it. Adds to it. It really like does. Her in the in the comic, and another character that's much more in the movie than he is in the comic is Albrecht. Well, Albrecht in the movie is kind of a combination of two characters from the book. 
in the book, he is a notoriously white police officer yeah. named Officer Albrecht. Yep. Who Eric does encounter at Gideon's Pawn Shop. Yes. But then there is the more Ernie Hudson looking character in the comic, Captain Hook, which yeah. I think was funny. They, they joke about his name a couple times. He's the detective who worked the case of their murder, et cetera, yeah. and saw Eric die in the hospital and all yeah. that. Crow they kind of combined the two together. Yep. And gave him a little more backstory. But even his backstory, in the, again, another example where the movie expands on this character to great effect. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the changes are like, you know, you've heard me, you've heard Drew, uh, comic film where they change a the character and drives us nuts. There are changes made to the story here, and they, they're changes that give the film its own legs to stand on by itself where you've got these great characters that are yes in the comics they're just different in the film but it, they're not degrading to the story at all um albrecht sarah and like at the end of the book there's a when eric burns his house down before he does his final yeah final run um he leaves a note for albrecht Telling him about Sarah, asking him to take care of her, because like in in the movie, which wait, but the thing is though, the movie does that. Yeah, the movie like off gets, the bat almost they have yeah, a relationship. the The movie gets brings Darla, Sarah's mother, to a point where she is willing because she her of her encounter with Eric in the apartment in Funboy's apartment. You know, just like those those classic lines, you know, mother is the name for God on the lips and hearts of all children. Right out of the book, by the way. Yep. And, you know, drains some of the drugs from her. By squeezing her arm. Yeah, I love um, that part. That's so heavy. Then, your daughter is out there on the streets waiting for you. Yeah. And in the movie, she turns around and tries to make a better life. We don't see that in the book. It's implied that maybe it happens, but not necessarily. And and that scene in the book is is one of my favorite lines that Eric has is is oh god something he said like when he confronts both her and Funboy when he walks in the apartment he, and he says to her he's like you know leave now before the space between us turns to tigers <laughs> and I was just like oh, well we god. should point out as 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 when Eric does Eric has some great. Uh, poetic lines in yes. the movie, but in the in the book, um, he's way more uh poetic and speaks in verse. And it's you can almost if I'm going to knock anything on this book, and again, I'm not. But I mean, if I if I'm to someone else that reads it, and even reading it now with a kind of fresh set of adult eyes, and it's not, and it's hard to critique something that was written by a man in so much pain and, and using this as catharsis. So again, uh, this is a this is a nitpicky point. It's a very emo book, and I could read it as like there is a there is a way you could read it and think like this is some serious, uh, angsty college poor me kind of stuff, and that's just again if I'm going to level any criticism at it, that's what it's going to be. But you, I'm only putting that out there to. I'm only putting that out there because I know that's something that someone is going to say. Yeah. But to me, it's still um, it's 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 awesome. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll listen can, to that criticism. You can say that about it. the book, but at the same time, the reason you can say that about the book is because of the book. Sure, the book is what helped define 
that the book and the movie, you know, for better or for worse, kind of help give birth to the phrase emo. Sure. And oh, yeah, like, dude. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like goth, but not, not quite goth. Kids, let me tell you what. Before emo was a thing, we had goth. Yeah. That's all we had. That's all we knew. If yeah. you wore black and you maybe wore black lipstick once in a while and you, yeah. you know, were into some depressing stuff, we didn't call you emo back in our day. You were one of the goth kids. Yeah. Pretty much. You, you kind of have to know where stuff comes from. It's like perfect example. When we watch, like, if you and I are watching the original Star Wars. Yes. And scenes in Moss Eisley Cantina. Yes. You're seeing Moss Eisley Cantina. I see the Moss Eisley Cantina, but I also see Rick's Cafe American from Casablanca. It's exactly <laughs> what it is. Okay. Like, if you ever watch Casablanca, the first establishing shot. Of, it's the same thing. It's, you see where they got it from. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but, yeah, the... the and the the cadence that Brandon Lee's performance gave to the character, the cadence of his speech, it's it's like we say when we read Batman, like we hear Kevin Conroy and we hear Mark Hamill for Bat- the voices of Batman and Joker in our head. When I read the book, I still hear Brandon Lee sure. speaking those words, even though like a lot of the words are different. Um, it's still... Uh, a lot of that dialogue, though, is in the movie. Yeah, there's, a, there's so a much of it. it. Scenes from the book are in the movie. Like again, the, the aforementioned part, the fun boy apartment scene is pretty close. Yeah. Uh, the Gideon scene, pretty close. Let me let me ask you this: Do you connect emotionally with the story the same way you do now as you did when you first discovered it? Mm. it's different now you understand it more i understand because we ha- we both have a shelly to lose there oh absolutely that absolutely that um there is that aspect to it the, my adultness now reads it in a whole different light and i would you know if should something like that ever happen to me uh i can empathize way more as an adult with with a marriage and you know feeling those emotions and all that stuff. At the same time, it's different because I'm reading it now as an adult, and this is a thing that has meant so much to me. So I'm reading it now again with my own fondness. What am I trying to say? Like... (laughs) I read it now with an affinity and it's not so much that I'm reading it differently as an adult because I understand it more, but I, I read it now as an adult and I still love it and connect with it because it's, it puts me oddly, I guess I still love it because it still puts me in a place that I vividly remember. It's a very formative book for me. Yeah. And every time I pick it up or every time I see the movie, I am in some, I, I know I can see the people's houses I was in watching it or, yep. or, you know, the, the songs I was listening to with my friends, uh, just different, th- you know, thoughts, yeah. feelings, uh, friendships I had, um, discovering, uh, new, new bands, discovering new friendships. Just that period for me is, I mean, it. I'm telling you, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's the same for you, but for, I mean, speaking for myself, 
very vivid memories for me. So when I, any anytime I, I see the movie, anytime I pick up the book, yes, I the story and the actual content means something to me and means more now that I am a fully formed adult with a relationship and you know marriage and and all that stuff. But I can't let I can't it, it I cannot separate just where it puts me and all those things that kind of turned me into what you to, into who I am right now sitting yeah. here. So it's it's a very uh very emotional book for me in a lot in movie in a lot of ways. I can't I can't connect with the pain of the character. Right. In a lot of ways I used to be able to. And very looking back on now what are ultimately very superficial ways cuz I never experienced that level of pain. Um and that's a good thing because I have those things in my life now that you know Eric would have loved to have. Sure wife child Mm -hmm. um but yeah like you were saying it it, there is a nostalgic factor to it but it's still just is such an amazing work both film and the book um it's always going to have that special place way down in the cockles Uh, dude i i it's it's so complicated for me honestly because like Again, it's just so formative. It, I mean, it really is yeah. formative for me in in so many ways. I want I want to talk really quickly, and this will kind of be where we <laughs> we can keep going. I don't know. This, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, here. <laughs> I I want to talk about really quickly about what happened after the crow. The two direct to DVD movies, seen them both, terrible. Okay. City of Angels is not horrible. I saw it in the theater once. <laughs> I don't remember anything about it except that they tried to do it again to lesser effect. And the other thing I remember about it was I didn't like the color palette. It was like very sepia. Yes. 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 Well, you and can't, it, and it like, was odd to me. It was jarring I, in a way. I I think if you went back and kind of tried it again, you might like it a little better. Hmm. First off, Iggy Pop. Okay. And that movie is yeah, incredible. Yeah, 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 that's right. He was in that. Yeah, which is funny because Iggy Pop's kind of body type is what James O'Barr based Eric's Interesting. body type off of. Okay. Um, and there were talks of Iggy Pop actually playing Eric oh, in the first no. film. I, yeah. No, that, yeah, it's one of those roles now where you can't picture anyone else no, playing No, God, it. no. Um, the, the actor who they got to play the main character... Uh, the name escapes me now. But I know, right? <laughs> he, was, he was a French actor. He did it. I think he did a great job. They went a little more, with the exception of Iggy Pop and kind of the crew, more the underling crew, more or less, they kind of tried to make it for the ultimate villain. They tried to make a, a, a bigger, grander, top dollar, more supernatural based. <laughs> Wasn't it that, voodoo based or that, something? Yeah, like kind of. That didn't quite work. I think the biggest mistake they made in the film was bringing Sarah back. Because I guess there was that need. Gotta of, have like, a connection. Yeah, like connection. Yeah. Like, I like the idea that Eric wasn't the only one. Sure. This has happened before and will happen again. Yeah. Um, but what kind of gives me pause to go back and watch again is the main character didn't lose his wife 
lost his son. Sure. I'm sure that resonates with you heavily so, now, especially. Yeah, that now. I, but I remember like the visual style being different, but still good. Um, another fantastic soundtrack, too. The, the, did, it, uh, did it, though? Yeah. I don't remember the second. Honestly, I really don't remember the soundtrack the uh, second one very much at all. Hole covered Goldust Woman. Rob Zombie covered Boogeyman. Oh, uh, see, now... Okay, yeah. Uh, Jurastall by Filter. That's, see... At, remember, see, remember wasn't, the, wasn't as good as the original soundtrack, but still here, a good soundtrack here, to end Here's itself. the thing. Remember, remember what I said about the first soundtrack? Like, it wasn't really emblematic of, of the culture that the book necessarily was trying to emulate. It was more of a collection of the who's who of the time. Yet, somehow, I felt like the first Crow soundtrack was despite being updated for the times, it still felt authentic. Yeah. I remember seeing the list of the second one and I'm like, this isn't, this is just who's on the radio right now that, and that's it. This is, this is not, these are bands that are just like, they've got a deal and the deal says we got to put these bands on a soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Look look at whole white. And look, dude, by the way, I was on a white zombie trip this week because I'm a white zombie fanboy. Rob Zombie, solo material, go away. Don't care. Do not care. But when White Zombie was hot, they were hot. Anyway, um, Filter, yeah, yeah, PJ Harvey. This is like a who's who of 95. I know, but it's still, still even even if that's the case, it's still a solid sound. Corn was on it. Like, come on, man. And I like Corn, but not here, you know? Um, It's a little weird. I I feel it. Maybe I'll give it another shot. I, I I would say give the film another shot. All right. It's it's definitely I don't want to say worthwhile successor because something like that cannot be No, and and maybe that's what I'm saying. Like you yeah, you can make another one. Yeah. Should you? Should you? Um Yeah, but the the two the television show was terrible. The two direct to video films were not good. The two direct, if, from what I remember, the two direct to video films became very comic booky, mm. like Marvel. Less, you know what? Comic booky. Uh, to be honest, um, less said the better. I don't even want to talk about that stuff. I actually think the the City of Angels had a video game attached to it. I don't, yeah, they, for, people were trying to, but no, I think for whatever. It's, forget for listeners. There, there I, is, City there, of Angels is worth a second viewing. Maybe, I would say. but you're you're the crux of this show here, man. The book and the and the first movie are yeah. where it's at, and they really were landmark. Um, I can't say enough about them. I mean, and I, again, I'm very personally invested, so my take my praise with a grain of salt. This means a lot to me, but I like to think I've got a. If, if, if you guys know me from this show. My filter is pretty intense, and if, if it doesn't pass the mustard for me, I'll let you know about it, and this is something that still does, and I will sing its praises to the roof, uh, t- because it it just is that good. Yeah. So. so. I think we've very much, I mean, obviously, we could go on talking about this for hours. Totally. Um, I don't think I've, I've mentioned how much I love all the villains in the movie. <laughs> I mentioned I've talked about the soundtrack. Uh, we've talked about Brandon Lee's performance. Um, I think we've covered all the bases. Uh, just a quick shout out. Um, the actor who plays Top Dollar in the movie. Yeah. Michael, I love that guy. Yeah, Michael I, Wincott. What's his name? Michael Wincott. Love that guy. 
that voice. Oh, that voice. If I haven't told you before, if you were to give me the money and say, go make a G.I. Joe movie, that dude's my Destro. Really? That voice. I love that voice. Destro's voice was never gravelly to me. It was always like very bassy and booming. That voice, though. Oh, I'd like, probably cast him as Cobra Commander. I think I need think a, a G.I. Joe Resolute. I hear Cobra you, Commander. but I, I'm, I, I need my Chris Latta Cobra Commander, man. <laughs> I know he's dead, but you know what I'm saying. Um, anyway, big ups to that guy, dude. His voice is fantastic. He's great in the movie. Um, every, yeah, dude, I've, we've, we've, we've gone over it all. It's, it's great. It's really great. And I love it. Yeah. I love it So, folks, you know what we'd really appreciate if, if this film or this book, because I know there are a couple of you who listen to are kind of in the same, uh, ballpark with us. If, share your crow memories with Please us. Please do, man. Shoot us, like, tweet us, shoot us an email, whatnot, we'll read them on the show. Uh, share how this work has impacted you and how you either watch movies or read comics or in any way. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Or if you just want to send us any other questions or comics, comments, we'll take your comments. We'll take your comments yeah. too, man. <laughs> uh, you can do so at the following locations. You can find us on Twitter at Devil's Do Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash The Devil's Do Pod. You can email us at The Devil's Do Pod at gmail.com. Or you can find all this information available to you on our website, The Devil's Do Podcast.com. That being said, Drew, any last thoughts? Well, I looked at the forecast for tomorrow and the weekend, in the next week or so. And uh, I'm afraid to say, Carl, because I had plans for tomorrow to finish my deck skirting, but it's supposed to rain for the next week. Well, so I would just I would just warn or not warn, but look on the bright side, Carl. It can't rain all the time. It can't rain all the time. Folks, thanks for joining us. Have a